You never know when or where you'll get inspired. Sometimes it's your friends, sometimes your family, a comedian, a stranger, or even that man on the street. Walks of Life is a show that aims to explore the thoughts, stories, and perspectives of different people like you and me from all walks of life. This is Danny Frank's Walks of Life. another exciting episode of Danny Frank's Walks of Life. Uh, it's either Friday or Saturday. I can't really decide uh, yet because I'm not sure when I'm going to release this. To be quite honest, it's uh, almost 11 already. I was supposed to record this probably earlier in the week, but, you know, I ran out of time. The week got away from me. Today got away from me. Um, so didn't have a chance to plan it out, but, you know, we're going to make the best of it. It's going to come out when it comes out. So, a couple of things. You know, I had a lot of people reach out to me after the last episode and uh, seemed concerned, you know, and rightfully so. Um, full disclosure, it's hard for me to be vulnerable sometimes, uh, especially on camera in front of other people, but I'm trying to get used to it. You know, I... For my entire life, pretty much, I've suffered with anxiety, depression, and, you know, whatever comes out of that. Uh, unfortunately, if you've ever wondered what a panic attack looks like, um, I can tell you I was about to have one. and kind of had a mini one right before we recorded that last episode, which is why I had to meditate. Uh, if you've ever had anxiety or depression, like, you know that feeling, um... I don't know how to describe it, but just feels like everything's shutting down almost and uh, like your anxiety level shoots up through the roof. And um, it took me a long time to realize that when stuff like that happens, it's very, very important to breathe. And, uh, you know, I'm not a trained medical. Well, I'm not a psychologist. So, you know, take all this with a grain of salt. And, you know, like I've said, truth is, I'm still a little crazy and um I'm trying to get better, you know, I've, uh, sobriety was definitely, uh, some sobriety is something that has to happen in my life for me to function well, and, you know, if I, I don't keep track of my traits and what's actually going on, it's very easy for me to get overwhelmed by feelings, um, but feelings, as it turns out, took me a long time to realize, well, they feel true, can be very deceptive, you know, um, I look back on that last episode and I have to say, man, there's some things that I didn't uh, enjoy about myself, but big thing that stuck out to me is for as long as I felt very alone and isolated and like an outsider, um, 
there really have been a lot of people there around me to help guide me. There have been amazing teachers, um, you know, friends, you know, forever how long they've been in my life. For the most part, a lot of people did love and care about me, but for a long time, it was just very, very hard for me to see that and to really recognize that because I think I had such a negative view of who I am, you know, so... All I can say is if you're out there struggling to build the better version of you, just don't wait. Start today. You know, it's only going to help you out. Get some therapy. Check into your mental health. Maybe sobriety is for you. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Um, Seem to help me. Seems to help me, I should say. Um, I'm not perfect in any means. So don't take, again, anything I say too seriously. But at the same time, I feel like as a person who's been through these things throughout my life and had a lot of uh, issues that I've had to deal with and, you know, feelings that I've had to kind of navigate, I can tell you it's it's just way easier to get through life if you look for help. But it, it is scary. You do have to ask. You do have to seek it out. You do have to change things. You have to, you know, go out and actually put in your efforts and, um you have to listen. You have to be willing to be teachable and humble. And, you know, the biggest thing for me, and this is something I really got to make sure that I'm aware of all times because I forget, admittedly, I got to be grateful because there's been a lot of people that have gone out of their way in my life to kind of help me out. And I got to admit, I've been ungrateful for a lot of it, um, you know. Maybe sometimes a little more than others, but it took me a very, very, very long time to really understand that. And I think when I was watching that last episode, I just realized I didn't mention as much positive stuff as I should have, probably. So with that in mind, that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode. Kind of the topic for today, the overall theme of everything is gratitude, you know, and uh I remember I had a teacher, and I talked about him a little bit last episode, um, Mr. Drew Ward. He was an awesome creative writing teacher. He'd always say this thing, this phrase, over and over again, and it took me a long time to really, really grasp it. But he would always say, we live in the world imagined for us. And what he meant by that was... We live in a world where we're given these ideas and these concepts and we're taught these words to represent these ideas and concepts and we take them in and we build off that language. But if you really analyze it, it's insane how powerful language can be. It's super strong, super important uh, because it really does inform a lot of, uh, you know, the meaning of the word or the meaning of the uh, intended sentence, I should say. You know, context is everything, but word choice does mean a lot. Um, You know, and it leads me to my next thing. Uh, You can't always underestimate the impact of your words. You know, if you always put yourself down and don't actively try and build yourself up or write a gratitude list or anything like that, it's very easy to be negative because you're always spitting negative stuff out. You're always filling your mind with negative stuff. You know, if you put a bunch of vinegar in something, it's not going to come out sweet. 
Yeah, uh, but it's very easy to overlook stuff like that when you're, you know, lost in your head and your feelings, your emotions, your anxiety, your depression, whatever it may be, you know, for various reasons that cause it. Um, but that's why it's really helpful for me personally to just really, really try and analyze what's going on when I feel weird emotions. Because if I don't remind myself to question what's going on, Sometimes I'll just kind of take it in and I'll let things be bad, if not worse than they actually are, just because that's how my filter works, you know, but slowly but surely uh, over the years and hopefully throughout my lifetime, I'm learning to kind of work with that filter and, you know, work with what I've got to make the best of things. And, uh, you know, if you're going through anything similar, all I can say is, like I said, Go out there, look for help. Don't be too afraid. Do don't be too prideful. Like this is very hard for me to open up. But you know, if I'm not real, what what good is any of this really? There's got to be a lot of truth. And well, the way I like to live my life, I try to be very honest and truthful. And it wasn't always like that, you know. And there's a lot of different words for truth, and there's a lot of different words for lying. And uh, really. The words represent the concept, but the concept is pretty, pretty simple. So, I mean, make things, don't make things too hard on yourself. I, I used to do that all the time. Uh, I had a quote I wanted to read from Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's a great little book on ethics if uh, you're ever looking for something just to entertain your interest or, you know, just to kind of make you question how you view the world, I guess, in a good way, in a critical way, in a very ethical way. Um, but this quote is, joy for humans is lies in human actions. Human actions are kindness to others, contempt for the senses, the interrogation of appearances, and observation of nature and of events in nature. What does that mean? Well, to me, that means that you can't always trust your feelings. You know, and uh, to get back toward what our theme is for today, uh, defining the word gratitude, uh, and this is according to we Merriam-Webster's Book of Synonyms. Uh, gratitude is the qual, or not Book of Synonyms, but this is from Merriam-Webster's uh, Dictionary. Look into the Book of Synonyms, though. That's a really helpful tool. Don't underestimate the power of a good thesaurus, really. Uh, but according to that, the gratitude is the quality of being thankful and readiness to show appreciation for and to return to kindness. And because I mumbled that, I'm going to read it one more time. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and return to kindness. You know, and I got to admit, this last year has been very, very, very challenging on us all. So don't you dare feel bad if, you know, it's been kind of a struggle for you. Because it's been a weird time for all of us, really. You know, and people, uh, people don't realize how powerful it is to just interact with people. And when you get that pulled away, things just feel so off uh, for me personally. And, you know, I, I can't wait to get back out there. I need to this week. Probably going to hit my first mic in over a year, which I never anticipated ever taking a break. But, you know, I have pre-existing health conditions. COVID happened. Uh, 
it's kind of overweight at the time, more so than now. I didn't really want to take any chances. So, you know, I felt guilty for a little bit, but, you know, what can I say? My health is my priority. Yeah, you know, but with that in mind, um, I, I kind of wanted to say a little more about the people that I'm thankful for. You know, because uh, the older I get, the more I start to realize that feelings, just like I said, are a little bit deceptive. And there have been a lot of really nice people along my journey, uh, especially the comedy journey. And I really need to go out of my way and repay them one day or, you know, thank them even more. Uh, you know, when I started at the beginning of my comedy journey, I was living on a couch. Uh, <laughs> I was pretty much going into the red or at least just barely black all the time because I was spending all my money on uh, trying to figure out comedy and how to create shows and do things for myself. You know, like back when I was working for this promotions company years ago after high school, I remember having to set up a Shwayze, uh listening party at a hookah lounge over in La Palma. And I had worked with a guy that DJed there, I believe at BJ's in Cerritos, and he had hooked me up with the owner, told him I was going to do a listening party, which is literally just having a party where you play the artist music, you know, but that was kind of my uh, promotional thing. I was doing promotion for Shwayze. Uh No offense to him, but I heard that whole project was cooked. Um you know, but I've heard other people that really enjoy his music, too. And uh, I can't really fault anybody for that because, I mean, I used to think it was weird to, like, cook music. But isn't that how you make a good meal? I don't know. Maybe I'm getting older. Maybe I'm getting softer. You know, but it, the point is, uh, that was technically the first event I ever tried to produce. And I'll tell you, it was horrible. Uh, the posters were falling off the wall. You know, because I had put up tape, I think it was painter's tape, and, like, they were freshly painted walls, so the tact wasn't sticking, and it just kept falling. The ones that were up were being torn down uh, about an hour into the event because it's pretty empty in there. It was, like, a Thursday night. I think the DJ had told the guy I could fill the place, and then uh, I couldn't. Couldn't at all. I think somebody might have said Shwayze was coming. He definitely was not. Um... I just remember calling a friend and, like, crying a little bit out in the parking lot because it's just going so bad. Um, but at the same time, uh, that friend, in retrospect, I think she wanted – I think she saw something in me. And I hope she comes on here one day so I can thank her more and, get you know, show you guys how cool she is. Good old friend Kim. Um, in high school, she dated my – old friend john he's a very talented music video director now uh even back then he wanted to be in fact he may have a tape that i had made for my social studies class about vietnam war and that was technically like the first time i tried to write a script i think and uh you know as you get older people grow apart but I'll never forget them, um, the big influence that they left on my life, especially Kim. She always helped me out. She got me that job at the Cornerstone Promotions. First time I'd ever really gotten to know Hollywood Boulevard because they had a office over there on Hollywood and Vine, fourth floor of the Taft building, I believe, Suite 400. 
they moved, but um, it was pretty cool. For a long time, I'd go there and pick up like promotional materials and then just kind of go out in the world, and she helped me figure out how to find production assistant jobs before I even know what that meant. Uh, it used to be Craigslist. I, I really don't know now, but I'm sure it's not that hard to find out. Um, it's a lot of fun. You learn a lot of things. And I'll, I could probably say that that's what helped me learn to get the organizational planning down to produce events, if you're interested in that at all. Um, but, you know, she was really awesome. And I, I don't think that I've given a lot of these people as much credit as I should. And, and like I said, I've been uh, kind of a sick person my whole life, you know, and imperfect. So forgive me, but for what it's worth, thank you to Kim, to a lot of people. In fact, I'm going to go over that right now. Um, in fact, yeah, I made a whole little list of people that I really, really, really want to thank because they were so damn cool throughout this entire experience. And a couple of those people... that helped me in comedy specifically because there would be a, well, you know, we'll have more episodes. So if you didn't get in on this one, maybe I'll catch you on the next gratitude episode, I guess. And, you know, if you're ever feeling negative about things, um, I encourage you to write a gratitude list. Just literally take out a piece of paper and a pen, write things you're grateful for. The process of doing it will reveal a lot more to you than, you know, you could have ever thought of unless you went and actively tried the process. Um, but these were a few of the people that really helped me along my comedy journey, I would say, so far, which has really only been about two years. I mean, it's been three years in time, um, but I didn't get on stage for a year, you know, um, this last year, I should say, during COVID. So really, it's only like two, which is nothing. So, I mean, if I'm starting over, maybe this is my fresh start, you know? Um, Regardless, I want to thank these people, Aaron Chase, Zach Elk, Michael Gonzalez, Nick Lanny, motherfucking David Deary. Oh, man, it's awesome to see David Deary fucking blowing up a little bit now. Uh, he is a huge, and this was the only other person I'd ever met that knew who Jeremy Fish was, but let alone knows him, but he knew who Jeremy Fish was. And it blew my mind because I had loved the Silly Pink Bunny series, Upper Playground, Graffiti, you know. Um, and it makes sense, you know, anything about David. And he'll be on here one day, hopefully. Uh, but I encourage you to look up David Deary, M.F. David Deary. He produces for Donnell Rawlings Show now. I believe he got his start out here uh, because I know he did his own shows in Berlin as well. But I'll let him get into that someday um but his first shows that he was doing out here i believe that like were major was he was a producer on kill tony for a bit uh wasn't the only producer but i know that that was like a pretty big deal and that's where a lot of people probably know him before the donnell rawlings show um, but in addition to that he's got a lot of really awesome talents makes scenes but again i'll let him get into all that one day thank you david deary he was the first person to guest list me. Um, I didn't even do comedy yet. And I think I had chatted him up for 
couple months on Instagram asking him random questions because I saw that this dude was getting into comedy or not getting into, I should say, but he was doing comedy. Uh, I recognized the Jeremy Fish stuff and some other graffiti stuff. You know, he was into photography, seemed like a really cool dude. So I would just send these cold call messages. And I did this to a lot of people. So, you know, again, if I don't mention you today. I'm sorry. Um, you will get in there. It's just late. I'm tired. It's been a long week. Um, all that aside, motherfucking David Deary, check that dude out. Uh, he's going to do amazing things. He's going to continue to do amazing things. And yeah, I was nobody. I remember he had a bringer show, I believe, at the Hollywood Improv. It was a fucking amazing bringer show. Um, I mean, and I shouldn't even say a bringer show because it wasn't a bringer show at all. Um, but I think he had to bring a couple people in order to like earn his keep there. And I s- vaguely remember he sent out a message asking if anybody could come out and wanted to be guest listed or something like that. And me and my buddy Gilbert, who were like super into comedy for years, we were always comedy nerds. Without realizing it, we would play improv games. Um, I still don't fully know what that means. Um, but uh, the couple games that somebody has tried to show me, I'm like, oh, wait, this is just talking shit in a car while people walk by. And I've done this before. And like, oh, this feels a lot like lying. Improvisation, you say. Okay. Um, I can do that. Yeah, but that was an incredible show. He put me on the guest list. He used my real name. And I think I said something super low self-esteem-y like, uh, you got room for a nobody on that list? And to my surprise, he said yes. And he put me on. And then we got there, and it was amazing. It was like, it was uh, the first show I ever went to at the Hollywood Improv ever was that one. First show I ever went to was at Largo, but the first show I ever went to at Hollywood Improv was that one, and it was uh, Death Squad Secret Show with Brian Redband, of course, uh, founder of Death Squad. Thank you, Brian Redband. You're also on the gratitude list. Uh, just because I've randomly met you a few times, you've always been cool, even though I've been kind of a weirdo. I say that in a beautiful way, very affirming, positive way. <laughs> But uh, he was there, Tony Hinchcliffe, who I used to watch a lot during late night at the beginning, before he moved up to the 9 p.m. spots, which is insane to think of, because it really wasn't that much time. Not to say I was there for his full career, but like um, the short amount of time that I saw him, this dude was like exploding. Then it was, uh, I believe, Brody Stevens. Maybe it wasn't Brody Stevens that time feel like Brody Stevens was there, though. And uh, Earl Skakel, big Earl Skakel, what up, daddy man? Um, that sounds so creepy when I say it, but that literally is his nickname. I don't call him that personally. I call him that um, out of respect, you know. Uh, but Earl, he's been a number one genuine dude from the start too. I would have never met him if I didn't go to that show that David Deary put me on because we just randomly met him while we were walking outside, uh, down, you know, Melrose Avenue before I even knew that that was Melrose Avenue and marveling at all the shops and stuff and where we were. And I remember we saw Earl walking Lois, his dog down the street. And he could not have been kinder, 
more of a gentleman. We started talking to him. I think wrestling might have come up. Um, but he was very approachable and very humble. And I'll never forget that because he had no business. or he, Not that he had no business, but he had no real reason to talk to me. Nor did David Deary, you know, like David Deary, I think, was the one that like pushed me a lot. Uh, thank you, Jesus Trejo. Um, I, Jesus is such a nice guy, and I can't say that enough. Listen to Lee Syot's interview with him on his podcast. It's a, it's amazing. You'll learn a lot about him. That'll give you just so much respect for that dude. Um, yeah, I all I can say about Jesus is like I remember too the first one of the first times I went to the comedy store uh, ever. I think I was freshly trying to be sober, so I was like smoking cigarettes like a madman, as people do sometimes. And uh, I just kept going outside and I didn't really know what was going on. Actually, no, you know I think I was still drinking back then at the very very beginning. Whatever it was, though, I remember going outside and uh, not understanding even what door guys were yet. Um, not knowing shit about the comedy store workings, really. Like, I knew a little bit of the history, and I'd heard about it in, like, this book called Wired. Um, you know, and just, it does have a huge historical legacy. So you can't not know about it. But at the same time, it was definitely not as popular back then, and... Uh, Bear in mind, I came during the part where it was already blowing up, but it still wasn't as you know packed as it became, as it likely will be now until who knows, you know. But I remember going out there, and Jesus was such a cool guy. He was standing far away from me, but saw me approach him. Didn't freak out. Yeah, you know, little I know, he was going to tackle me. Who knows? Probably not. Um, but he was very kind and approachable too. I started to ask him questions about how he got into comedy, I believe, and all about it. And uh, that's been crazy, too. You know, like I remember going to the comedy store and being a little messed up and not knowing what was going on and not knowing really who Jesus was. And then watching him do jokes in the original room and then he's doing them in the main room. And then suddenly I'm sitting in the front row watching him record his special. And it was just amazing to see, you know, how these guys hustle and grind and work hard and they get there, you know. And I, that's why I really need to get back out there because, uh, you know, who's going to respect me as a comedian if I'm not really grinding? You know, and it, that's fair. I used to think it wasn't, but and you don't have to kill yourself grinding it out. But, you know, you should put in some effort, satisfy the comedy gods, let them know you're trying. And really just try for yourself, you know. But, Jesus, thank you so much uh, for even talking to me. And I'll thank you more. But let me keep going. Dominic Zapia, Hector Lara, Rodrigo Torres has been a fucking G from the start, too. It's just weird how serendipitous that felt. Because I, I remember being in downtown Riverside, and then I saw that Rodrigo Torres who um, I knew from Felipe Esparza, who admittedly, I used to not really think that I liked Felipe Esparza. And then I started listening to him talk on podcasts. And then I really started watching his special. And it amazed me how inspired that guy made me feel. 
through his stories and the humanity that shines through a lot of his bits, even though they're kind of silly and some of them are a little darker than others. It's generally pretty lighthearted and Felipe is such a hard worker and it's crazy to see him build an hour. I must have watched almost every show that he did while he was building his last hour in Riverside. Um, not everyone, but like I watched a lot of them, the ones in Riverside anyway, because, you know, it was interesting to see the process of him starting from scratch and building up in 5, 10, 15, 20 minute chunks or whatever and see how amazingly sharp this dude is and how talented he is, you know, and um, that guy too, you know, like as far as Rodrigo Torres goes, it's crazy that I met him during his meet and greet at the first art gallery that I was ever put in. Um, little secret, the only art gallery I've ever been in. Division 9. Um, but that's really more of lack of submitting and not wanting to be a part of the traditional gallery system because I was pretentious probably. you know. But I, I have a lot of good friends that are artists or I know a lot of artists that are really good and I would consider them friends. Um, hopefully one day you'll get to meet some of those people from the past, like Conrad Ruiz, the Boys of Summer, Ashcon. Um, but we're getting off topic as I do. It's just crazy to see that I met Rodrigo Torres at Division 9. Shout out Division 9 Gallery in Riverside. Shout out to Cosme Cordova. It's crazy to see that Cosme, the gallery owner, was the guy that was producing a lot of the shows for Felipe and for uh, Rodrigo Torres. It's just weird how serendipitous that is. And, you know, I'll never forget, too, Rodrigo Torres standing outside of Division 9 talking to me about, you know, the the bones, the bare bones of comedy and the social dynamics and all that and telling me how important it is to network. And, again, I've always felt like an outsider and weird. And I am a bit much for some people, and that's okay. I get it. Um, but at the same time, Rodrigo made me feel really normal and really special. And, you know, he cared. And that guy, I owe a lot to. You know, and then that very night, I think he told me that Felipe was out in Hollywood at the comedy store. And as soon as I was done meeting him, I remember driving up to see Felipe. I saw him, he crushed it as usual. He is a machine. It's crazy. Um, and then afterward, I saw him leaving, and I had it in my mind that I wanted to meet this guy for some reason. And <laughs> it's kind of a creepy, but I remember going to the restroom and seeing that he was leaving, so I went out to the hallway of the main room, and I went up to him, and I think he was a little bit freaked out because uh, I have a lot of energy sometimes when I get excited. And I went up to him, and I just remember my mind going blank and being nervous. I don't remember what I said, but it was definitely not what I intended to say. And again, he was very fucking cool, very nice, very humble. And I think he said, thank you, foo, or something. Whatever it was, kind dude, please go support both of those guys. Rodrigo Torres, Felipe Esparza, Martin Rizzo, too, while you're at it. And... um. Uh, Martin, um, you know, let me keep going. There's a lot of people, man. 
Alex Hernandez, my cousin, uh, owner of Alex's Bar. Um, he has been a tremendous influence on me throughout my life, just because that dude's always been cool. You know, he's always been into super cool music, but it's crazy how, you know, we spent a lot of years apart, and I feel like we still have pretty similar tastes, so it makes me wonder how much of that is genetic. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me. A lot of our family members are a lot cooler than I've given them credit for, you know, and uh, at least the ones in the past. And um, no, yeah, I'm not going to qualify with that. A lot of my family members, a lot of people in general are cooler than I give them credit for sometimes. And I got to stop that or try to get a little bit better. But, you know, without Alex, I would have not done my first Long Beach Laugh. And I remember going out there and getting his blessing for that and asking him if I could do the show there because that's where I used to do the heaviest amount of promotion for Cornerstone was in Long Beach, especially on uh, Antique Bro on uh, 4th and Cherry. Check all those independent shops out. Shout out to The Hangout. Thank you, Melissa, for also being our home after we le- I had to leave Alex's bar for a little bit um, just to keep the Fridays uh Thank you guys also for taking that with a grain of salt. Alex's bar. I should have maybe just stuck to Sundays, but at the same time, it was amazing to see what that show became when we moved to the hangout. But all the same, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex's bar. You guys were amazing, and I couldn't be here today without you guys. Um, shout out again to Melissa at the hangout. You're awesome, too. Um your husband's name i can't think of right now it begins with a t and uh i'm tired but he seems like a very kind guy as well you guys are rad artists bohemian types and i aspire to be you you're rad thank you uh who else we got here george ferrito thank you george the buddy system it's been awesome to see you guys grind and talk to you guys and hang out a little bit Jay Light, of course. Jay, I've thanked you. I've thanked you enough, bro. Come on. I've thanked you enough. Just kidding. Thank you, Jay. I'll always keep thanking you, buddy. Uh, Gary Peterson, also awesome. I wrote Jesus Trejo again. Lee Syad again. Both great dudes. Check out everything they've done. Nice people. Uh, Franklin Yee. Uh, Franklin, you're rad, too. You've had a lot of conversations you've given me some real deal stuff uh my friend ali arif he's not in comedy but he's come to all of my shows and i need to i need to be a better friend to people sometimes because i really couldn't have thanked him enough for coming out but it wasn't enough now i need to return the favor or at least give him that amount of attention too because there's a lot of things that happened and i I really wish i would have made more time for ali so ali if you're out there, I'm probably going to call you soon. Um, but thank you for everything. Thank you for coming to all the shows. Jessica Michelle Singleton, another awesome person. She's super cool. Watched her comedy a bunch. I remember one Thanksgiving, just feeling a little lonely and dejected and going down to the comedy store like I used to do on holidays because it was always empty. Uh, not anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but I remember going, and it was pretty empty watching pretty much everybody in the original room for a long time and that's like my favorite room to be in 
in comedy, to be honest, watching-wise. I've never performed there yet. Um, Want to get good before you get inquired on that. But, yeah, man, like, it was awesome. I remember being very alone feeling while I was there on Thanksgiving, and she came in with a giant tray of cupcakes for all the audience members, and she passed them out to everybody, and I will never forget how awesome I felt after eating those cupcakes and asking her questions, too, about comedy. Uh, I apologize if I ever creeped you out. I think I asked you a question about whether or not you carried a knife back in the day because I had this weird run-in with someone that I thought was a biker. It's going to kick my ass. Uh, turns out he was in comedy, too. Uh, bet you can guess who that was. Uh, shout out, Liam. Big Liam. Rest in peace, I should say. Um, but yeah, Jessica Michelle Singleton's been very awesome. Uh, Jeffrey Burner, also awesome. Spent a lot of time giving me advice and having conversations with me. And again, all of these people, the comedy store people, they don't need to talk to anybody. They've already made it to Mecca, essentially. And I never really understood the cold shoulder thing, because when you're first going there, it's pretty easy, I think, to feel completely isolated, because it is cliquish, and the people that, you know, are paid regulars there have paid their dues, truly. Um, they've put in a lot of work uh, to get that far and to keep staying there, and they all deserve our respect. You know, you don't just get your name painted on the wall because, you know, you're cool. It's not enough, you know. Um, also, rest in peace, Jeff Scotty. Had a couple conversations with that guy. Very kind. Very, very cool. Um, I used to love the Pee Wee Herman show when I was growing up. He was a Pee Wee Herman impersonator, I believe, at Universal Studios at one point. Um, I don't think I ever saw him, but I just will never forget that and how cool and, again, kind he and nice he was. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood Jesus, Kevin Lee Light, talked to that guy uh, at least once, uh, at least once or twice actually. Adam Ray was the first person to tell me what that guy's name was. I just remember seeing him a bunch. Um, talked to him a few times, but two times I should say. But really, saw him a few times, and that was just—it was such a different era. <laughs> it was so weird. But it was just imagine being in a comedy show, um, especially if, if you s love late night like I used to, still do. You know, I'd be there at three in the morning, Don Barris, the great Simply Don, number one of the big three. Um, please check that out. Please check out Windy City Heat. Anyway, though, Don Barris would be doing his thing late into the night sometimes. And I remember a handful of times looking back in the back of the room. I was like, is, is that Jesus? Jesus? And there was literally a six foot four dude, Kevin Lee Light, awesome, awesome dude, uh, who was dressed like Jesus. And he fucking looked like Jesus. And this guy was in the back just tripping me out because I didn't know what was happening. Like, is this my come to God moment? You know, but it was cool to watch him become part of the show. And, and like, 
if you never got to experience that, I'm sorry, because I don't think there will ever be another time quite like that. Or there might be a time quite similar to that, but it'll never be that time. You know, Kevin Lee Light, a.k.a. Hollywood Jesus, look into his legacy. He was an artist to his own as well. Brian Simpson. <laughs> Brian Simpson blew my mind, man. I had a conversation with this guy before having to go out like super early in the morning on a Spirit Airline flight to Chicago by myself to go do some business and um, straight up to apologize to somebody that I once wronged a long time ago. You know, but I remember talking to this guy at like two in the morning, one in the morning, something like that the night before. And again, he had no reason to talk to me, but he did for whatever reason. And I asked this guy some pretty weird questions right off the bat, you know, because uh, I didn't even more so than now. I didn't understand how to open up a conversation as well as I do now. You know, and I remember asking him all these detailed questions about uh, comedy. And the biggest thing that I will remember is like Brian Simpson. And this should make sense was the one that really, 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 really illuminated the idea and the importance of being an authentic person. He told me th some things that I'll still, I still remember, you know, like he's not above a jokey joke. And that was something I asked him specifically, but in everything else, I remember him telling me to do your research and just make sure that you're being authentic to yourself, or at least uh, that was his goal, I believe, was that authenticity is paramount to everything. I believe. I'm paraphrasing all the same. Brian Simpson, you're an awesome dude. Uh, yeah, man, you're too cool. And it's crazy to see him blowing up, too. Uh, he was on Lights Out with David Spade. Amazing story. Uh, very gifted, very talented. I believe he's a poet, too, which that's just cool to me, personally. Um, but again, hopefully one day he'll be able to represent himself saying that here. And if not, just look into all of his stuff. Brian Simpson is fucking amazing. He's going to keep going up. He's already going up, but he's going to keep going up. I guarantee it. Um, Feng Chow, Feng Chow, the chowman of the board. Man, I... Uh, I got to admit, I feel like I might annoy you now. And if I do, I apologize. It is not my intention. This is really who I am and how I am. That is probably really who I am and how I am. You know, but Feng Chao was the first dude to take me to sacred ground. And uh, I'm not really going to go into what that is because it's too special. You probably already know because over the years, it's become a little less special, but he was the first one to take me back there, back when there were still quotes painted on the wall, and uh, I will never forget that. He he had answered a lot of questions to me, too, and I think this was right before I went in and did it. I think the final thing to like make me go up and do it uh, was something along the lines of, like, oh, the week before, David Deary had said something about uh, Grossum, Grossum Balls. That's the key to going out and doing it. Just grow some balls and fucking do it. Rip it off like a Band-Aid. And uh, I did. 
and I'm happy for it, man. I just gotta get back in it. Uh, Sam, Lo but yeah, Feng Chao, awesome dude. It's crazy to hear he was like, I think he was working in Artesia at the time where I was born. Connections. That's a horrible Brody. Mouth is dry. Need water. Sparkling waters, your friend. But yeah, great Brody Stevens. Connections. Connections. Yes. Yeah. I could do this in my private time. I'll come back to it. Um, but yeah, Brody Stevens, also awesome source of inspiration. That guy did some amazing things. Um, that'll be another episode, probably. But Mary Stevens, Donald Stevens, uh, shout up to Mary Bird Stevens, the and Donald Stevens, the uh, two people that along with Eric Oligny, the great Eric Oligny and Eric, uh, another awesome dude that answered some questions for me. Um, they allowed me to come to their backyard show, Bones and Buddies, where I saw and met a lot of people that I had no business being around. And uh, I don't know why you let me come. I guess it was awkward to say no, but I really appreciate that you did because uh, I thought it was a show. Turns out it was just a house party for their friends that they kept having. Um, and I would come and watch because I'm a really big fan of comedy and this is trying to figure it all out, I think. And uh, yeah, that whole time was super duper inspiring. The hangout show would not have been outside. I uh, would not have looked for outdoor venues had I not gone to the Bones and Buddies show. So thank you all for letting me come to that. You're really kind for doing that. Um, Sam Lopez, awesome female comedian. She's going to be around for a long time, too. The great Derek Poston. Uh, Poston, sorry. Um He's awesome. He's going to be a dude that you're going to know for sure, too. Super duper funny. Uh, I believe he's from Memphis, he said. I don't remember. I think so. Uh, Don Barris again, because why not? Don, you're amazing. Also the warm-up comedian for uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Fun fact. Look up Simply Don 1, the public access show. That's a fun little Easter egg for you on YouTube. Paul Antonio Verdugo. Paul, you're crushing it as usual. Producer, superstar, extraordinaire. Uh, you let me take money and help out at, uh, I think it was a show at a Kiwanis club. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But it was something like that. Uh, it was a comedy pop-up show. Shout out to Nick Gant, who also owned that. Or um, Yeah, I believe po comedy pop-up was just Nick Gant and Paul Antonio. They had some awesome shows, though, and I remember that was the first time I think I ever met Annie Lederman and Candace Thompson, and I got to give them their envelopes, and it was so cool. Because then I'd go on to run into Annie a few times. Doubtful that she's remembered me, but at the same time, um, it was just cool to be in their presence, truthfully. Very talented. Uh, and Paul? You're awesome. You're going to keep going places too, man. Paul Masurlian, um, their whole crew, Ezekiel, 
Um, Angel Hada, of course. Angel, without you, I would not have gotten as much time as I have. I miss the House of Pong Mike so much. And it's sad because I drove down uh, Foothill Boulevard, a.k.a. Route 66, the other day, and I saw that uh, our old beloved House of Pong is no more. Yeah, it's a bummer because it was low-key kind of the worst setup for comedy at the beginning. Um, just because like, you'd be behind a tree or a post. and like Sometimes I, I remember waiting for hours to talk to like three people just quietly eating their dinner. Had wanted nothing to do with comedy night, and here I am, like blah 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 pasta. You know, at least that's what I feel like they probably heard me as. And again, feelings are deceptive. You know, but that place was a lot of fun. I really cut my teeth there, and I got to the point where I I didn't care anymore. I could bomb all night there, and it'd be a fun time. And that's you know that's when comedies it's best when you're really having fun and just letting loose not caring as much and just letting things fly i miss that place i can't wait for the next house of pong uh nick Pelias, uh nick you are awesome you're so cool and doing so many things and you gave me a lot of opportunities to be on a show or you know host for you and I, I owe you a lot, too, man. One day I'm going to get you back with Nick Pelias. Look that guy up, too. Luis Navarro of Lola's uh, in Long Beach. Amazing ma- Mexican food. He also owns Portuguese Distillery. Uh, Portuguese Ben Distillery, I should say, in Long Beach. The only distillery in Long Beach, I believe. And uh, that's crazy. Because I met that guy years and years and years before... I did comedy because of my cousin Alex. And I remember just going to Lola's a lot because it's amazing. Still is. Um, But that guy recognized me after 10 years. We hadn't seen each other. I'll never forget. I was working at this musical festival in Long Beach at Seaside Marina Park by the Queen Mary, kind of, on the other side. But... um, Actually, nowhere near, to be honest. <laughs> it's over there in Long Beach, though. Off, It's by the pike. Anyway, I remember going to work the merch table back there with a bunch of other people. Fun time. Shout out to Nicolette and Mondo and all those dudes. Um, but I remember it had been 10 years since I saw this guy. And he just walked by the booth. And he saw me working there. And not going to lie, it was not my best shape, but he saw me working. Music tastes good, and I was uh, very, very shocked to see that he recognized me immediately. So, without him, though, I I would never have uh, had somebody so supportive that was willing to put up all my posters in the shops. And just be cool about it, you know, when I was first, essentially really getting into comedy promotion, you know, cause I had done the promotional work before, but like never for comedy. I knew nothing about that. So I just copied the same techniques and things that I did before, which were really guerrilla marketing, which is really just graffiti tactics. Um, a lot of people do that these days, but back then there was a whole, I believe there might've been a times 
Time Magazine article about Cornerstone. Look into that. Cornerstone, Kanye West, Fader Magazine. Look into that. I All those people are awesome. Um, and no, I don't know Kanye West, but he's pretty cool, admittedly. He's a little crazy sometimes, but who isn't, you know? You look at that guy's life's work. He's done a lot of really, really amazing stuff. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. Not that he will ever hear this, uh, but whatever, you know? Uh, who else do I want to thank? There's a lot of people. There really are. I wrote a lot of stuff. We already talked about Rodrigo Torres and Brian Simpson. We talked about Carmen Morales. No, we didn't. Carmen Morales, also super cool. Um, only had a handful of conversations. But uh, she seemed genuinely cool and supportive. And I re she's very talented, too. You really need to follow and support her. Super duper inspiring story. Super hustler. Um, and you know, and I don't know why this popped in my mind, but thank you, Felipe Esparza, too. For a long time, that guy would share things that I'd tag him in. And again, you don't need to. You don't need to expose me to your audience. But him and Roy Wood Jr. both did that. Um, granted, Roy Wood Jr. only did it once on this weird tweet that I made. That I did not expect to go viral. Um, or I was just saying that he looked almost like a cooler, younger version of Stanley. Like Stanley's cooler, younger nephew, I believe, is what I used as a description. And it, it led to some whack people commenting about how, you know, Roy Wood Jr. has some pro black beliefs that I don't think Leslie Jones, or what is it, Stanley would uh, agree with. But, but. If you look at the show, and you can look this up on Wikipedia, you look, at, look it up on a fan fiction page, I don't know. Verify this. Google it. This is real. Stanley's backstory is that he was part of the founding members of the Black Panthers in the office, the show. They wrote that. Look it up. Maybe I'm lying. I'm not. So, you know, I, it was, I remember somebody said something whack, and I had to immediately throw that in there. And it shut them the F up, as it should. Because there's no room for racism here on this podcast or in my life. I don't support it. Um, Jimmy Calloway. Dude, Jimmy Calloway has been cool and nice, too. He, he took me to see Eddie Pepitone record his special. That was my first time going to the Dynasty Theater. That place is amazing. Um, so thank you, Jimmy Calloway. Eddie Pepitone was a joy to watch. And, you know, who else I saw there was Greg Barrett. Greg Barrett uh, made the Bring the Rock, this awesome rock and comedy show that used to happen at the original Largo location, which used to be right across the street from Cantor's. That was the first place I'd ever really gone to in Hollywood. Or, not even... That was the first comedy show that I'd ever gone to, ever, was Bring the Rock. And it was amazing. They had this cover band called the Electric Snowflake with Oliver from the Brady Bunch, the little kid cousin that is probably way too old a reference for most of the people watching this. But he was the drummer. Um, people like Dweezil Zappa would come in and play. I believe I saw Iron and Wine there for the first time. 
amazing comedians Chris Fairbanks, Dana Gould, Sarah Silverman, Greg Proops. I saw some fucking alt comedian legends um, at Largo. Thank you, Flanagan. Thank you, Greg Barrett. Uh, in addition to just having an amazing show, kind of like Goddamn Comedy Jam, where like uh, they would tell a story and then they would do a cover based on that story. You know, but that story would be loosely based around a song or something like that. And then they would do the most amazing version of TNT, including like a violin. And I just remember that being so incredibly amazing to me. It was definitely inspiring and left a profound impact on me, I'm sure. But it was awesome to see Greg do his one-man show there at the Dynasty Theater. Um, <laughs> a couple of years after, I, or, you know, a couple of years or uh, two years into my comedy journey, I should say, to see him after so long, and then I saw him at the rec room. Thank you, Greg Barrett, man. You were super cool. I remember going back to Largo, I believe, when I was... It had to be 17. There's no way I was 18 when we first started going there, and I remember the door guy questioning me because I rolled up with, like, four people. I don't think we were all in high school, to be honest. But I think he saw that I was adamant about wanting to watch comedy, especially here, you know. And uh, back to John Boliozos, my music video buddy from high school. Uh, me and him used to watch Mr. Show with Bob and David all the fucking time. And I think I even gave him or uh, let him borrow one of my DVD sets. Amazing sketch comedy show. I loved David Cross back then. I still do. But, you know, I... I just remember that just he John took me to my first comedy show ever at Chapman University with his sister. They snuck me in when I was 16, too. And I got to see David Cross. And, uh, you know, you, you tell me, did it did it leave a mark? Did it uh, inspire me? Well, I think it did. And thank you, John. Thank you, John and his sister, Kat. You guys were so rad about taking me there, you know. And after that, I wanted more comedy, and that's what led me to look up and uh, find Largo and then figure out who Flanagan was. You know, Flanagan was Largo's Mitzi, essentially. Yeah, and while we're on that, I might as well just thank Mitzi Shore. Thank you, Mitzi Shore. Thank you, Jeff Scott. Thank you, Polly Shore, the Shores. Uh, I guess in that same vein, thank you, Trini Lopez, too. You know, all those people somehow played a part, Art LeBeau as well, in the comedy store's fruition and existence. Uh, and I, you know, I shouldn't uh, talk about it as much because I have no right to yet. Maybe never will. I'm not a part of the comedy store, but I gotta say, uh, for a point in my life when I felt very, very low, being there made me feel really good. And even if I got the cold shoulder from people, which is typical because you haven't earned their respect yet, got to them. Uh, a lot of people there were cool to me. A lot more people were cool to me there than I think even in my home scene at the time, which is weird because you think it'd be the opposite. You know, you drive out to L.A. and then all these pros probably shun you and treat you like shit. And a couple did, but a lot of them were pretty cool. And I think they saw that I really wanted to do this, and I was serious about it. And 
you know, hopefully one day I'm able to repay them by being an amazing comedian or an amazing, um, no, it's really being an amazing comedian or being whatever I become. I hope to make them proud and I hope that it wasn't all for a waste because I don't know what I'm becoming necessarily, but I'm never going to stop until I think I'm great. And even then, I'm never going to stop. I want to I want to be great. I want to be really good one day. I want to have a command of this power that we call stand up. I want to be like Brian Simpson. I want to be like Felipe Esparza. I want to be like all these legends, Doug Stanhope, you know? Thank you Doug Stanhope for being cool too. Thank you Doug Stanhope for not being weirded out when I fanboyed out as you're peeing in an alley in Seattle. My bad. You're fucking cool. You know it. Um, King of Bisbee. King of Bisbee. Inspiring gentleman right there. But yeah. Uh, gratitude is something so important. And the comedy store, even the comedians outside the comedy store, they all made me feel a little bit better than about myself. A lot better about myself, I should say, because they made me realize, like, I could be them, maybe, because they're regular, real people. In fact, I shouldn't say regular, but they're real people. They're super duper duper extraordinary. They're not regular. They're extraordinary. Um, but, you know, I forget that sometimes because my feelings lie to me and I feel very alone a lot of the time, to be honest. And I've felt that way for a very long time. But I think, as I would said, I could be in a room full of people and feel completely alone. And that's just, you know, that's something else that I got to work with or work on. And it's nobody's fault. Um, but that's just how it is. And I, I got to remember to take these moments to be appreciative of the things that I've had. Because I've had a lot of good luck come my way. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I've worked really hard and whatever, but really, I've had a lot of opportunities and I am so thankful that I was in a position to take a lot of these because I don't think I always was. Uh, and more to the point, you know, when your mind is on fire, if you're out there, remember this, if your mind's on fire, Throwing gas on it is not going to make it better. So, do with that what you will. You know, because beyond that, you got to remember to always analyze what's actually going on in critical think. You know, are these real feelings or are these just overwhelming feelings as well? You know, because the power of myth and language uh, are really strong. And if you lie to yourself enough, you'll start to think it's true. Myth is defined as a traditional story, especially one concerning the early history of a people or explaining some natural or social phenomenon and typically involving supernatural beings or events. The lie monster is the myth that occupies my mind sometimes. It lies to me and tells me that there aren't people out there that love and care for me, but the reality is there are. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life hopefully making it up to these people and making them proud to have put in any bit of effort or attention 
my way. And yeah, all I've got to say to everybody on this list, and please look them all up, uh, is from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for being cool. And thank you for making me feel a little bit more normal than I would have had I not crossed paths with you. Thank you. So, I don't know what we're doing on time. Uh, that feels about right, though. If you're out there, you know, struggling with anything again, please go find help. Please call a hotline, ask a friend, call somebody. It was very hard for me to make telephone calls for a long time. I would always text, but it's so nice to hear somebody in real time and talk to them. But yeah, you got to take care of your health. Health truly is wealth. You know, it's the number one thing and everything else really is an illusion. Because without health, nothing else matters. Health is the foundation for life. Take it seriously. I know I didn't in the past, and um, thankfully I've lived as long as I can to correct it. Not everybody gets that opportunity. You know, but again, not to be preachy. This is what works for me. I'm a little bit off sometimes to some people. Whatever. But we're all kind. We're not all kind. I'm kind. The people I listed are kind. You can be kind. You know, we can push hate all day or we can push love and choice is up to you. But again, I'm rambling on, so I'm going to get to bed. This is another awesome episode of Danny Frank's Walks of Life. Season 2, Episode 3. My name is Danny Frank. I hope you've had a fun time listening to me talk about all this stuff. Uh, if I mention your name, once again, thank you. Thank you for all for everything. And um, yeah, guys, don't forget to share this with your friends. Rate, subscribe, and review. I'm Danny Frank. To you out there, remember, nobody else loves you. I love you. Because humanity means you and me. Good night. Seems to me like they want us to be afraid. Maybe we just like being afraid. Maybe we just so used to it at this point that it's just a part of us, part of our culture. Security alert on orange. It's been on orange since 01, G. I mean, what's up, man? Can a brother get yellow, man? Just for like two months or something? Goddamn. Sick of that. Mic check.